Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I 100% would recommend to experience that initial discomfort, but on the other side of that, there's stillness, there's peace, there's quiet. You just learn how to be with yourself and not be permanently entertained by some screen. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. I'm Tanya Goodin, and each week I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. So I'm chatting this week with Thomas Bragg, who is from the YouTube group Yes Theory. And if you haven't heard of them, go and check them out immediately. They're a really inspiring group. And their motto is Seek Discomfort. And what they do is they challenge people to get out of their comfort zone um, with a kind of whole range of real-world challenges because they believe, and I agree with them, that the deepest connections and the best moments in life happen when you do that, when you get out of your comfort zone. And they also have a podcast launching early April, so keep an ear open for that. With this season of the podcast, I really wanted to look at some of the positive uses of digital because the podcast is called, after all, It's Complicated. Uh, And I thought maybe with the first and second season, I'd focused a little bit too much on some of the kind of problems and the downsides. So I wanted to look and find people who were doing really inspiring things online and using their platform and their followers for good. And Yes Theory, I think, are a perfect example of this because they're actually using their huge following. They've got five million subscribers on YouTube to encourage meetups and connections in real life. Uh, And that's actually a core part of their philosophy. It's a really big part of what they do. So using digital to say to people, actually, let's find each other, but then let's meet up. Uh, And one of their videos made me cry. And we talk about that. 
So just a little apology for the sound in some places. We were recording with Thomas in LA and me in London, so we've got a few crackles on the line, unfortunately, which we couldn't do anything about. But despite those, I really think you're going to enjoy it. It's really brilliant to have you on the podcast. I really wanted in this series, it's talking all about our relationship with tech, and I wanted to find some people who were doing really positive things with the digital world. And obviously I came across you. It was your deleting social media for 30 days changed my life video. Well, there you go. Um, which so many people sent to me. I can't tell you. I must have got about 20 people saying, you've got to check this out. And you've got to speak to these guys. Really? But I was, I was reading a headline about you that said, Yes Theory is a band of unlikely brothers creating a movement for positive change. So I thought maybe you could start by explaining to all the listeners of the podcast who might not have come across you yet. Yeah. What you do, what Yes Theory is all about. Absolutely. Um, so Yes Theory is a YouTube channel. Uh, but we see it as something much bigger than that. Our goal is to to make this a, a movement that can uh, live beyond us. And we don't see Yes Theory just as as us as us three in the YouTube channel. We see it as the entire community. And uh, at the core, uh, we try to live by the philosophy of seeking discomfort. So everything we do is to try and show people the value and show people that life's greatest moments and biggest achievements and deepest connections uh, lay on the other side of your comfort zone. And so we just believe that, you know, in modern media right now, we're being advertised to be comfortable all the time. But we believe that true fulfillment actually comes from the moments where you seek discomfort and you get out of your comfort zone and do things that scare you and, and fulfill you. And those things are not always easy. And so we try and make a variety of videos around those themes, everything from throwing a dart at a map and flying wherever it lands to meet locals to challenging Will Smith to bungee jump out of a helicopter yeah. <laughs> to uh, <laughs> climbing a mountain, snowy mountain in shorts with uh, Iceman Wim Hof. Uh, we've done a pretty wide variety of, of, of things and, and, and they all kind of revolve around that theme so one of the scariest thing this is probably not going to seem scary to you at all that i watched one of your videos was when you dialed random numbers and persuaded complete strangers to hang out with you so tell everyone about that because i thought that was fantastic but also really scary not only doing it but being on the other end of it i was thinking if someone rang me and said that yeah, I'd probably be putting the phone straight down. Yeah, so we um, definitely being on the other end of it. For us, we kind of try and show people that, I mean, I was also brought up being told to be careful of, of strangers, and it's probably a good thing to do. You have to be street smart in life. But what we try and show is that most people that you cross on everyday life is just a normal person living their normal life is probably really kind. The most people that we've met traveling uh, or most people that we've met uh, along the way have been really nice. And so we wanted to genuinely try this experiment. If we could just type a number in our cell phone and get convince somebody to meet up with us, how would that person turn out? And um, a part of me wants to say that we got lucky right now, but I do believe that probably... You know, th there's just such a wide range of, of people in this world that just are genuinely kind. And we ended up meeting this woman who's, who's, a, who's a mother of three or four kids. And every day she goes out and hands out food to the homeless. And we learned so much from just spending a day with her. So we ended up flying up to Seattle. That's where she lived. And had an amazing time. And so there was a period of <laughs> being a little bit nervous. I bet on their side as well, they must have been a bit nervous about what they were going to get when you got off the plane. Exactly. I mean, like, luckily, 
so our goal with with any of these things is we try and get them to say yes before they know what this is for because we don't want the yes to be oh i can trust them they have a youtube channel we want the yes to be from a genuine person stranger to stranger connection and then from there we then go on to explain okay so there's more to this so the reason why we're doing this is for you know we make videos and we're trying to um, show people the value of seeking discomfort and human connection and this is going to be a part of a video. So that's why we're going to show up with cameras. Here's the link. In this particular video, by the point we, we got to them, they had a an idea of who we were going to be. But in the end, I mean, we could have lied, right? We could have been just a random person on the phone telling them we're this channel. So they still had the hesitation of like, are these actually the guys that are going to show up? But yeah, it turned out to be such a, a crazy experience because we didn't, I mean, whenever we start these things out, we don't know if it's going to work out. And this lined up in, in such an incredible way. So It is I, I think it's really heartwarming, actually. I mean, I've watched a, a whole load of your videos now, and I completely agree. You see how genuinely nice so many people are in a world where, as you said, we're, we're told there's danger all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you just get lucky, but they do seem to be some incredible people that you've managed to connect with. I do believe most people on this planet are genuinely kind, but... I do think also if you're somebody who's going to be spontaneous enough and open-minded enough to say yes to one of our crazy requests, typically it filters like a very interesting type of person that either, either is going through a period in their life where they really have been looking for an opportunity to say yes to something bold or they're just that kind of person. And so we just end up meeting the most amazing humans and every new interaction kind of like adds adds a new spark within us and adds a seed of inspiration for how to be a better person even within us because we you know we always realize that, that it's one thing to be on our side uh, but it's a whole other to be receiving us and trusting us and so we always try to respect that and then are always impressed by by the people we end up meeting so you obviously you do run a youtube channel so you spend a lot of time online so i'm really intrigued by the fact that you chose to go and do this 30 days without social media and not only do it but you said it changed your life talk me through what made you decide to do it and I also I'm really interested having seen the video as whether you've carried on <laughs> because you said there were things you were going to do as a result of it so yeah just talk us through that Absolutely. So I was in a point in my life where I was really noticing my social media addiction. Most people that don't have social media as their job are probably addicted to social media, I would say. But for me, I was even able to justify being on social media because it's my job. So I was telling myself, oh, I'm only on Instagram, you know, because I need to answer a certain amount of DMs or I'm only scrolling on YouTube, you know, for hours because this is like research for me. Like I was justifying it in so many ways. But in the end, even though there might be some work in there, a lot of it is I just fell prey to the platform's algorithm and I just got distracted. And I would just notice myself, you know, pulling out my phone when I went to the bathroom, pulling out my phone randomly in the middle of a meeting compulsively, not even like thinking, oh, I need to answer somebody on Instagram. Just if I get bored, I'll just pull it out. And I just was noticing it was deteriorating my own ability to stay focused on, on anything because I was constantly distracting myself with mostly Instagram. And I just kind of got to a point where I wanted to take better care of myself and wanted to learn how to navigate my thoughts in a better way. And uh, I ended up reading this book by Cal Newport called Digital Minimalism. 
And uh, after reading that, I kind of started to really think about considering, because he does challenge people to quit social media for 30 days. And I'd actually thought about it a little bit before. And I told a friend who told me, oh, you should read this book that it had just come out at the time. And that really made me consider it. And, and I ended up doing it. And it was uh, an interesting process because I had to basically tell everyone at the office, hey, guys, I'm not going to be able to do anything on Instagram this month. So... You know, if any work needs to be done, actual work needs to be done on Instagram, I won't be able to do it, which I apologize for. But this is a commitment that I want to do for my own mental health and sanity. And I committed for a month. And by the end of it, I just felt so much more peaceful, less distracted, more focused, more creative as well, and uh, just overall happier. So what have you carried on with? Because I know I think you said at the end of the video you were going to delete and reinstall your social media apps every was it every three days or and just check them and I mean has that has that happened or have you found you've been sucked back into it a bit? So for the first several months I kept it off my phone and every three days I would download it for maybe an hour or something just to actually do work and then now uh, what I do is I very closely monitor my my consumption. And, and I got to say, like, there's still periods where I do get sucked back into it. And so now my rule is if I do feel like I, I am getting starting to pull it out for no reason in the middle of random situations throughout the day, I delete it for three to seven days completely. And that way I kind of like bring myself back to like a, a more neutral area and then I can download it back and, and, and I kind of go back and forth. So the tough part is even for me, like having done the 30 days and having gone to a good place, the platform is so addictive that you forget all the odds are against you. And you're like kind of hoping that, you know, instead you'll focus on reading a book where when there's endless entertainment and other things to distract you, it's it's like an impossible challenge. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you know, but I interviewed Cal for the last series of the podcast. And of course, he doesn't use social media at all. He's essentially gone cold turkey. And I think that's easier than trying to use it moderately, which is what so many people struggle with. I think that's what's really hard. I mean, I think it's great that you have this this podcast because I think people do need to know about this and educate themselves about this. I definitely think, like, I'm lucky because I only really joined social media. I mean, I had Facebook when I was a teenager, but I didn't join Instagram until I was 21 or 22. So I wasn't a part of the generation of teenagers that grew up with Instagram throughout high school, throughout middle school. I, I don't even know if a part of me doesn't think that should not be allowed because it's it's like um by default a popularity contest and i just remember being a teenager just facebook on its own was like almost stressful um and so there's just so many different elements that that, that, that come into that and, and and so obviously addictive that the fact that there's no rules or regulations or even recommendations for usage is quite shocking for me so you've got 5 million followers, haven't you, on your YouTube channel. Do you, do you feel you've got a responsibility to talk to them? Because obviously a lot of them are young kids probably struggling with it. I mean, how much, obviously you did that challenge, but do you talk more frequently about kind of trying to get a better balance with it? I try to as much as I can. And I think we try to in general as, as Yes Theory. Matt, who's one of the 
uh, three guys in the videos permanently deleted his Instagram as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was going to ask about that. So was that inspired by you or was or was he also having issues around using it? A little it? bit. So so we're all all three of us struggle with the compulsive checking because there's like a lot of conversations that we have with other YouTubers are happening on YouTube. You know, it's like a, we use it as, as, as a text messaging platform as well. And so what happens is, you know, you're like, oh, I got to answer this guy that we're collaborating with. So you open it. And then you forget for 10 minutes because you're scrolling because, you know, something popped up that was entertaining. And then you're like, oh, wait, why was I here again? Then at that point, you're already 15 minutes deep into procrastinating. And so for Matt, he was just having a good amount of anxiety and just decided that to make a full commitment and to make a point almost for himself and for anyone asking that he just doesn't think social media is, is, is helping him with his anxiety. And so he decided to take a break for a whole year. But even more so, he deleted it completely. So it's it's not even recoverable. His followers are are gone, and so that was just a way for him to tell to show to himself that he he just needs to to have a reset, basically. I was laughing at the bit of the video where just right at the beginning, where you tell all the guys what you're going to do, and they said, "Oh, but Kelly Slater's trying to." message you to, yeah. <laughs> to organize it's, the, it's the it was the whole FOMO button that they were pushing is that you know look at all this stuff you're going to miss out on but that's what you fear right you fear yeah, that there's yeah. something you're going to miss out on but what I noticed after the 30 days was like oh there really wasn't anything that I missed out on and so there I probably saved I don't know how many hours in the month and I came back and it was like oh nothing's changed really and I had like obviously messages but Nothing was really urgent. I had one friend who was in town that had messaged me on there that didn't have my phone number, but I gave it to him. So now anytime he does message me, I'll just get it through text. And it was quite shocking to realize, huh, I didn't really miss out on much and people didn't really need me work-wise. That's just kind of like an excuse almost I've given myself for keeping Instagram. But it was pretty shocking how little I actually missed it and actually needed it. So you do your kind of um, mantra is seek discomfort. Do you think that living without social media or going without a phone is now the ultimate way we can seek discomfort? Because it is so stressful. Just the, I find the thought of it when I talk to people about it, they just automatically say, I could never do that. Yeah, I totally think at this point, I think anyone who doesn't admit that they're addicted to their phone is is either like somebody who just lives out in nature or is probably lying <laughs> because like we use Google Maps, we use it for music, we use it for everything. And I mean, I gave up social media, but I can't imagine giving up my phone for 30 days. I mean, what would I what I do without all of the features that are on there? Like I don't know how to read a map. I don't know how to <laughs> communicate with people without uh, my cell phone. I would just fall off the face of the earth basically. And uh I definitely think it's it's a scary thing. And actually about almost a year ago, I guess eight, nine months ago, we went to Guatemala in the jungle for a whole week and we didn't have any service at all. So our phones were like basically useless because maps didn't work, text didn't work, social media didn't work. And we didn't have electricity, so we couldn't charge them to like listen to music during the day or anything like that. So my phone was just basically in my bag the whole week. It felt amazing to be so disconnected. You know, I 100% would recommend to as many people as possible to experience that initial discomfort. But on the other side of that, there's stillness, there's peace, there's quiet. 
and uh, you just learn how to be with yourself and not be permanently entertained by some screen. Yeah, I do think a lot of people would be surprised by how uncomfortable and difficult that would actually be. Yeah, it's kind of like the ultimate luxury now, isn't it? To be able to completely disconnect because we never do it. But it's really good hearing you describe what it feels like because actually I'm trying to encourage people to try it. And it's that initial, that initial feeling that is really hard, I think. Yeah. How, how do you balance it? I have to constantly keep an eye on it and kind of pull myself back when I think, actually, I have just picked up my phone and compulsively checked Instagram for, you know, half an hour when I'm meant to be doing something else. And I do delete my app. So like you, I have periods of time where I, I take everything off the phone. And then I'm only checking it on a desktop. And sometimes I log out completely. Yeah. And that's why Matt permanently deleted it. Because he tried the whole, okay, I'm going to you know, not have it on my phone. And I'm going to give my password to a friend. But he basically just ended up you know, convincing them he needed it for work. There was always something he actually needed it for. And his friends, like, I mean, weren't invested enough to like fight him for it. So they just gave it back to him. And then he just noticed there was just <laughs> nothing better he could do than just permanently delete it. And um, for me, like, I, I don't have, I'm not that deep into it, I would say. I would say if I do delete it, I'll accidentally pull out my phone and look for it where the little emoji of the, the app, you know, on the on my home screen used to be. I feel really good about pulling it out and then seeing that it's not there and then reminding myself, oh, wow, that's another time where I would have been distracted. But now that I've deleted it, I can stay focused on what it is that I'm actually supposed to be doing. Yeah, I do think what you're saying is you got to keep a check on it, which is kind of scary, right? Like you have to always be monitoring your consumption. Otherwise, it's going to pull you in. And of course, all the screen time apps and all those monitoring apps just could make us more compulsive about checking it as well. That's one of the things that worries me, that it's a bit like having a Fitbit now. Everybody checks how long they've been on Instagram a day and then, you know, comparing statistics. And that's just as addictive, I think. Yeah. So it, it's tough. I, I think we're, you know, just at the beginning of uh, overconsumption of technology. and And I hope that there's going to be some kind of regulations or or you know rule books or limitations or or whatnot because even when i set screen time i just al always just like ignore it it's it's hard and i mean i'm a like 26 year old busy person and i i have a hard time like i don't i don't know how how somebody who you know if you're a teenager and and just at the time when you're learning a lot and 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 you're you, you're figuring out who you are and then you you have this all these apps you know at the tip of your fingers it's it's impossible not to get, be completely hooked there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and zepbound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss my business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So one of the things I love about what you're doing is that you're using the digital world to connect people in real time. Um, and to, you've talked about wanting to create physical communities around the world that are brought together by Yes Theory. How do you see that developing? Well, you know, what, what are your kind of plans for building those communities? And do you think that's, are you kind of answering a need that we've all got now to meet in real time because of the digital world? Or are you kind of, are you leading the path? Are you the one saying this is what we should be doing? Or, or are you responding to a, you know, kind of demand, do you think? To answer the, the first part of the question, our goal has always been to try and create real life communities because we believe that a huge part of you know being able to um, overcome discomfort and cope with it is through connections around you. It's really hard, you know, if you're scared of heights to go at a at your pool and and jump off the diving board on your own. It makes a huge difference when you're when your friends or, or people that are going through something similar as you do are, are around you, supporting you through the process. And we just feel like there's there's not enough like support or communities like anchored around that or anchored around self-development, anchored around, you know, pursuit of your dreams or pursuit of overcoming fears. And so we want to enable that. And so our goal with the future as things evolve is to either partner with existing apps to facilitate these things or build our own. And so we're we've been tweaking on this idea for a long time and we're just basically trying to figure out how to balance our, our our time and our schedule given like how many things we're already kind of trying to juggle. Uh, but it's a, it's definitely a priority for us in the coming year or two to build a community where people are going to be able to meet up in real life quite easily and then support each other and just, I guess, connect in real life. And so I guess it's a really inter- interesting question of whether this is a response to a need or creating one. And I almost want to say that it's a bit of both. 
Uh, a lot of people in our comments are saying like, please build an app, like, you know, challenge us to do something or, or whatever. And, and as soon as we started our Facebook group, it just flocked with people who are now organizing meetups around the world. And we're fascinated to see that people are really craving this. It was both something we always wanted and something that our audience really wants. And so when interests align, it's just, uh, it's been really exciting to see how even when we just make a small little effort of like, okay, let's start a Facebook group. Thousands of meetups started happening around the world, um, which just got to show us that, oh, this is something people really want. We won't need to sell people on the idea of meeting up in real life. They're already asking for it. And so this is definitely um, the biggest, most interesting next challenge that we're working on, just how to strengthen our community. Because, you know, as much as we want to continue growing on YouTube and whatnot, it's definitely not our main objective. I would say our main objective is to really make sure that we engage deeply with our audience. We'd much rather choose a smaller following where, you know, people are really engaged and are meeting up in real life and are gaining true, genuine value than having 100 million subscribers. But, you know, people are just watching us and then scrolling over to the next thing and, and there's no impact in their lives whatsoever. How did you get going in the first place? I mean, how did the how did you all come together? And was this where did this kind of drive to do this come from? Was it all individually, or did you find when you got together, you all said, "Hey, this is something we want to do"? So we were all already in the almost in, in the pursuit of something. Uh, I would want to say maybe unconventional. Amar was starting his own app, so like a you know a tech startup, and Matt had a clothing company, and I'd also dabbled in the in the tech space. Um, I ended up working in Silicon Valley a few summers on like an app that I was trying to build, and met with investors and all sorts of things. So we had all three like had the you know the the desire to be entrepreneurs since for a long time, and uh, after graduating, my app kind of fell apart, just didn't really work out the way I wanted it to. And I kind of got a little burnt out on the whole startup scene. And I felt like people, and I wasn't even sure if myself, but I felt like people around me were starting to get involved in the startup scene because it was cool. It was like after the Facebook movie came out and everyone wanted to be Mark Zuckerberg. I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, what am I really doing this for? Am I doing this because tech is cool now? Or am I doing this because I really want to be a tech entrepreneur? And I asked myself, I was 21 at the time, so I asked myself, okay, if I was 30 years old looking back at my 20s, what would I want them to look like? And I kind of narrowed it down to three things. I wanted to take as, really take the opportunity to travel. I wanted to do something where I could work on something creative. So as much as possible every day, I'd get an opportunity to be creative. And three, I wanted to do something that had some form of an impact beyond fulfilling myself. So... If I could help others in any way, that would be my goal. Then I wrote down all the different jobs that I could think of where all of those three things kind of came together. So I had like, okay, teaching English abroad. I had um, journalist. I had, you know, consultant for NGOs or whatnot. And I wrote down all these, all these different jobs. YouTube creator was one of them that I ended up kind of coming up with. And uh, I ranked them in that order. And YouTube creator, to my surprise, actually ended up at the top. Immediately in that moment, I just decided, okay, if this is what I truly would want to do, if risk wasn't a part of the equation, uh, then this is what I should pursue. And so I kind of 
just set on that course and um, I was just not going to stop for, for anything and uh, had part-time jobs to fund it. And I ended up meeting Matt, you know, together through different brainstorms and uh, a few different conversations and things that happened. I ended up coming up with the idea of wanting to do 30 things that I had never done before in 30 days and make a video about it every single day. And so initially, because Matt had his clothing line, I wasn't expecting him to join the whole time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to do this every day. Uh, but I want to f- have friends around me that, that help me or participate once in a while. And Matt pretty much immediately said he was down. And then as I was trying to organize this, it took me a few weeks to kind of come up with the ideas and do some logistics and, and train on my editing because I had only been editing for like a year, basically. I met Amar who had snuck into my best friend's going away party. And so uh, we kind of ended up talking and he, I ended up finding out that he needed a place to crash. And I was like, okay, I just met this complete stranger, but I'm also going through this period of my life where I want to get out of my comfort zone and I've never let a stranger sleep on my couch. So maybe I should say yes to that. Yeah, it sounds just like a yes there video, yeah. Yeah, I was like, you know what? This guy needs help. And my initial instinct is to definitely say no to something like that, but... I feel like, you know, I can't just do this for the video. This has to be like a mindset that I'm, this is a mindset change. I'm not doing the 30 videos in 30 days to try and blow up on YouTube. I'm doing this because I want a genuine transformation in how I, how I behave and how I judge people and how I judge experiences and, and open my own mind to, to, to life. I was like, all right, you know, you can, you can join. And Amar was initially working on his, on his startup. He was fundraising and he had all, all sorts of projects going. And then, you know, as we're in that apartment, ideas are starting to like bubble and we're all like connecting and and realizing the the excitement over uh, the potential of of doing this for a month and eventually you know a few days in we all just decided to fully commit full time and doing this and I was super stoked because at this point like you know the the project took a whole different life than what I could have ever even imagined in the first place it stopped being like this personal journey but it became a group journey which ended up being you know, infinitely more uh, fulfilling and exciting than it could ever have been on my own. From that point on, I just, life was changed forever, basically. So when you were imagining being 30 and looking back, was creating the ultimate fake news story to fool the internet (laughs) one one of the things you were thinking hey that would be really cool to do absolutely Um, not (laughs) maybe maybe you'd like to tell everyone about that because i i thought that was brilliant yeah so that video is honestly um it's funny it's a little bit of like a how, how would you say like a black sheep in our in our catalog because a lot most of our videos are very wholesome they involve you know showing people the the good in the world and and this video we wanted to see it, it was at a time where questioning media was at a peak and we had this idea of like could we engineer a story in the media to show people that you know you have to fact check you have to check the sources you have to just be careful with with what you read and and making sure that you check both sides and and whatnot. And so then we brainstormed and we didn't want to go too political. We didn't want to like actually impact something that could have repercussions. And so we ended up going on the lighter end of the scale of things and we're like, okay, what if we try and stage a fake scenario? Our manager, Zach, actually told us about this friend of his or this guy he met in Canada who's basically a Justin Bieber lookalike. And so we thought, okay, 
could we put Justin Bieber in a funny situation that wouldn't harm his reputation in in like a meaningful way, uh, but that could hopefully make even him smile if he if he when he saw it? And uh, we brainstormed a bunch of different ideas, and one of them was to pretend that Justin Bieber stopped traffic to help a grandma cross the road, and then the other one was Justin Bieber ate a burrito sideways. And basically pursued both. And unfortunately, the grandma video did not get picked up at all, uh, even though we thought that was a much stronger idea. The, the burrito thing was actually just set up as a backup idea. And then we ended up just posting that on Reddit, and it didn't really pick up for a while. And then our friend Connor came by the house, and who's a, who's a much more experienced Redditor, and put it up on a different community, I guess. And it just completely went berserk and vanity fair and bbc news and i mean everyone in the world it was on all the news channels wasn't it yeah Yeah. it was on everything and honestly i regret that we've had in hindsight is not at the end of the video kind of doing a okay world now that we have your attention let's actually talk about something meaningful like we wish we 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 really regret because we were in such a rush to get that video out quickly. Like we edited that entire video in two days. We barely slept and we just didn't have the time because the, all the media frenzy was happening as we were trying to edit this because we realized, I mean, in two weeks, people have probably forgotten. Like we need to get our side of the story up as soon as possible to like, you know, while this is still relevant. So we edited it super quick, put it up, and then it went way more viral than we could have possibly have comprehended. I mean, we didn't realize really what the impact of what we had done at that point. And so a few months later, we just kind of realized like, damn, did we not use the opportunity of basically the world's attention for a short period of time to actually drive home something that could have been really smart and useful? I think you did make that point, though. I think you kind of didn't need to say that. You didn't need to underline that at the end because I think you made the point all the way through. When you watch that video, yeah, you're totally making the point. Look how easy it is. I mean, not easy because you, you knew what you were doing, but um, to create a new story that goes viral in that kind of magnitude yeah, um, without anyone stopping to think, is this actually... I mean, only a few people said, is that really Justin Bieber, didn't they? I mean, you, you fooled most people and that's kind of the point especially around celebrity culture people really believe anything a part of it was trying to have a commentary on that as well on like it's very easy to to pick somebody apart like justin bieber and like you see a photo of him doing something and you immediately judge him and it was actually quite scary to see how quickly and easily people believed the story I mean, we had done a decent job at making him look like him, but if you really look at it and look at what he looked like at the time, there was like some obvious differences, and uh, it was just kind of interesting to to see it all unfold. And we kind of felt both excited and almost guilty as it was happening. We're like, wait, how is this going to affect everything around us right now? What are we really doing? Because our goal was initially to get that grandma video to go viral, and then we thought, okay, at least we're making Justin Bieber look good here. You know, we're 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 spreading something that's fake, but it's something where he did something really nice, and so uh, you know, the net impact is positive. And with the burrito one, I wasn't, we weren't too sure. It felt quite like a net neutral thing, where it was like, it's still very goofy, like we didn't harm anyone, but it, it definitely um, left us feeling a little bit, um, I don't know, just uh, slightly guilty. I guess. It says something about human nature that that's the one that went viral and not the one where he's doing a good deed, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it it sadly does. I really wanted to end by talking about this really, this video that actually made me cry when I watched it last night. Your 
meeting a stranger that has three months to live video, which I thought was just the most perfect example of using your whole philosophy of, you know, meeting people in the real world and connections and using your platform in a really positive way. So would you like to talk a bit, little bit about that, about what you did? Because I thought it was really moving. Yeah, so we ended up putting up a message on our Facebook group. We really wanted to help somebody who was in a position of having a disease that might be terminally ill. And so we put up a message in our Facebook group asking our community if, if they know anyone, if they have a family member that could you know, potentially need any kind of help from us. I mean, we do have time and, and, and a network that can reach. And so we just wondered, like, is there any way we can help anyone? And then this girl wrote a message saying that her cousin, who is somebody she's always looked up to so much, has was diagnosed with cancer five years ago. And they told him he'd have one year to live. And it's now been five years and he's just completely beating the odds. But he has a cancer that's extremely rare and terminal. So... We just kind of immediately as we read that message weren't too sure how to approach the situation because it's a very sensitive topic and we also weren't sure if we should just go meet him without recording. But then we also realized like this story can really be very inspiring and, and, and not also shy people away from being from seeing what it's like to be close to somebody who, who is going through uh, a terminal illness. Because I have a couple of friends when I was younger that that passed away from leukemia and and affected me in, in a lot of different ways. And and uh, Matt was kind of the one really championing this this episode. It was during the, uh, a time where we were kind of, um, I was traveling and, and Matt was here. And so we, we kind of put up the message together on the Facebook group. And then he really connected with the story and ended up going to meet Xavier and uh, immediately had one, I mean, like a very what's the word like profound experience meeting him and then also just like a very deep connection and at that point they had told him a month ago that he was gonna pass away in a month and 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 he was still alive Um, he just continued to beat the odds and continued to defy what the doctors were predicting were even possible when we met him we didn't know really what how much longer he had and, and, and how he was doing and, and, and what we could possibly do to help him because all doctors basically said he needs to just rest. Like he can't, he can't go out and, and do a bunch of, of, of things. Like, you know, even if he has a, a, a dream of going to see the Patriots, which was his dream, we can't fly him there to do that. So we were a little bit like torn initially on, on, on what to do. Xavier and Matt continued talking for the entire summer. And then we came back from traveling and from summer break and and Matt continued to see him and they continued hanging out. And only once in a while did he bring a camera. So most of the things that you see in the video were actually uh, not all the moments where they actually saw each other. After a while, we basically learned that his cousin's wedding was happening in November and Matt met him in July when he had already been told that he'd have a couple of weeks left to live and he he reached all the way to November and we really tried to like we begged the doctors to let us fly him even in like you know very comfortably in first class just so he's as little disturbed as possible but they just thought it was too much of a risk to let him on a plane 
And so um, I was watching that video, willing him to be able to go to the wedding. It was really, yeah, it was really sad that he couldn't make it. Yeah, and then eventually, um, the, the the cousin asked Matt to be a, a groomsman uh, at the wedding, and so Matt ended up going to represent Xavier. Xavier ended up passing away a, a few weeks after the wedding, and um, I mean, we were just we took some time to figure out uh, how to tell this story in, in a sen- sensible way and in a way that, you know, we'll, we'll cherish his memory. Yeah, that, that was um, definitely one of the more profound experiences um, I know that Matt has had and, and all of us have had going through telling this story and navigating the, the, the sensitive subject and then sharing a story and, and showing something to the world that I think a lot of people are kind of avoiding to talk about, which is, you, you know, sickness and, and, and unfortunately death. We're just glad that our channel even allows us to to be able to tell these kinds of stories. It is really inspiring to watch. I'm going to post the links to all your mm. videos in the podcast notes. But yeah, it was really, really inspiring and moving and about exactly about the power of connection, which is what you're all about. Yeah. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Tanya. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.